I'm Salvador Safalu, and I'm married to our hostess, Dr. Satara Mawafi. So how do you want to start the podcast? Well, I think it's good for our listeners to kind of get to know us, don't you think? Sounds like a good idea. <laughs> so I'll start by asking you some questions, Salvador. Okay. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your background, just kind of how you got started. Just nothing too personal, I, I hope. Well, we'll see how it goes. Welcome to the Natural Healing Podcast, the show designed to guide, inspire, and empower you to elevate your health so you can achieve your goals and dreams. We are your hosts, Dr. Satara Mawafi and Salvador Cephalou, a husband and wife team of acupuncturists and owners of a Center for Natural Healing, an integrative wellness clinic based in the heart of Silicon Valley. We're here to make the ancient wisdom of healing practical and accessible for your modern lifestyle. How did you get started with Chinese medicine? We know that you're a very long time practitioner in the healing arts. There's a history that probably most people don't know about you. Um, you want to kind of take us back? Sure. Well, unlike uh, a lot of people, I didn't discover Chinese medicine because I had some health problem. Um, I actually discovered it because my father had a health problem. He was stuck on the floor with a back injury. And after uh, some weeks of just uh, being in severe back pain, uh, his neighbor uh, took him to uh, a lady named Miriam Lee. And that lady was the first licensed acupuncturist in California. She passed away a few years ago. She had uh, a very strong following and was basically a pioneer uh, bringing Chinese medicine uh, to the United States. And, uh, in fact, she was practicing quite a bit without a license and was put in jail a few times, I hear. Uh, but on any account, she, uh, my dad, he didn't really have too many treatments with her, so he didn't really give it a chance. <clears throat> but what that did was it got me to the library to uh, explore Chinese medicine and then where, that, where did that take you, well, that exploration? Well, that was love at first sight. So when I started to explore the history of Chinese medicine, I just really resonated with the idea of the body having the ability to heal itself when given the opportunity. So then what made you want to pursue like a career in this healing art? What made, what, what, how did you know that this was your path? Well, that's a good question because uh, at the time I had just graduated uh, and I was pursuing a, a, 
uh, career in uh, in IT, and I really did not like computer programming and all that. It really just wasn't my forte. But I was just doing something as a way to make a good living. And then when I discovered Chinese medicine and, and realized there was actually uh, already colleges established to start my a career in, in Chinese medicine, uh, I decided to give it a chance and do something that really my heart resonated with. It's interesting. You ended up becoming a Chinese medical practitioner in the heart of Silicon Valley when you had originally started off in IT and then kind of switched over. So you're kind of a good balance of those two worlds, I guess, is what you're living now. Yeah, it was not the most optimistic of careers back in 1987 because uh, Chinese, you know, acupuncture was not something that people really thought about doing. And so making a good living was, was really a bit of a stretch at that point. Fortunately, that's changed. And, uh, and now we, you know, Chinese medicine is accessible to a lot more people and to a great extent because uh, of insurance uh, coverage. But um, with that being said, uh, my career did take a little bit of a turn. So I had started, so uh, massage therapy is a part of Chinese, of Chinese medicine. So you, Chinese medicine is a comprehensive system. So you have acupuncture really as just one component Herbal medicine is the other great component. And then you have nutritional medicine or nutritional therapy. Uh, you have exercise like Qigong and what they also called historically Dao Yin, which is like a, more like yoga type of exercises. And then you have um, massage. So when I started uh, studying Chinese medicine, my parents helped me they helped pay for my my uh, my first education when I went to college. When I ch decided to change career track, they said, "You're on your own. This is you, you got to do this on your own." So this was after you had already graduated college because this was a master's program, correct? Right. So I had to go back and get some more sciences. I didn't have enough science, biology, physiology, and these things, anatomy. And so I had to go back to school. And uh, and in the meantime, I started studying uh, some of the Chinese medicine classes, uh, which uh, began with some massage therapy. So then I went and got a certificate in massage. And what that did was uh, it started me on a career path, which I practiced extensively for the next eight years. And I explored a variety of bodywork therapies from um, very deep tissue bodywork like uh, called uh, structural integration, which is like an offshoot of rolfing. I studied uh, uh, movement therapy with a man who worked with uh, Moshe Feldenkrais. I studied some uh, gentle body work, which was kind of manipulation oriented, which was uh, based rooted in the osteopathic tradition. So. I, Oh, and then I, I, I ended my career doing a lot of uh, myofascial therapy, which had a lot to do with 
with stretching and, uh, and craniosacral therapy. So it was very gentle. So I went from a very deep uh, tissue practice to a very subtle um, form of body work. And they all had something special to offer. But indeed, the, the more subtle work really be- allowed me to become much more sensitive with my hands when that really served me especially when I got into uh, the Japanese style of acupuncture. Absolutely. And that was my next question for you, actually, because you practice or specialize in a really, really unique form of acupuncture, one that's not very well known, one that's very, really, truly extraordinary in its ability, but also really allows you to use your sensitivity and everything that you cultivated as a massage therapist and everything that you've learned over the years. Can you tell us a little bit about that? It's um, known as traditional Japanese acupuncture, and sometimes it's also called... Japanese meridian therapy. Yes. So uh, my background uh, started in a a school that was rooted in uh, what they call uh, TCM, traditional Chinese medicine. And really TCM is Traditional Chinese medicine is not really that traditional. It's really a modernized form of acupuncture that's been standardized in China. And they they basically simplified the practice. And so I started there, but then I took a a break as I was practicing massage therapy. And I actually got involved with uh, an esoteric Christian church. I actually thought I was going to be a minister at one point. And then that got me into... um, to doing a year of, of, uh, of, of counseling. Cause I thought I might become a marriage and family counselor. So I was still, I, I, even though I had really found something I loved, I, I also got really into uh, religion at one point. And then I decided I really wanted to go back to what my passion was. And that was to complete my degree in Chinese medicine. And actually, at that time, uh, a school started that had uh, that was based in Japan, and they opened in uh, Japantown, in San Francisco, and that school is called Meiji College of Oriental Medicine, and and that's where I got uh, in touch more with Japanese traditions, and there's a multitude of styles of Japanese acupuncture. And they're often rooted in a a more five element approach to acupuncture. Uh, Once I graduated, I later uh, started to study uh, an intensive program in what's called Toyohari acupuncture. And this is a tradition that was uh, rooted and, uh, and developed really by blind acupuncturists in Japan. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating because they don't really insert the needle very often. It's really mostly a touch needle uh, technique. So they're just touching the needle on the skin and it's, it's almost like magic when you see the results. But it's a special kind of needle they use. Am I correct? Well, no. Well, yeah. I mean, they use really thin needles, but actually later on, I, I met a man who, uh, he was, rooted in the Toyohari tradition, but then he studied with other teachers who use a very heavy gauged needle. It's almost like a sewing needle or bigger than a sewing needle. 
and these are called like taishin needles, needles that you basically are, are touching the skin with. And, uh, and specifically, they're made of gold and silver. So this, this is called Japanese meridian therapy or, or um, traditional Japanese acupuncture. And that's the style that I ended up cultivating and, and becoming, um, you could say, specialized in uh, for a number of years. So that's all that aspect of my practice. During that time, I was also studying classical acupuncture and classical Chinese medicine theory with uh, a Taoist priest, uh, Dr. Jeffrey Yuen. So you basically had the skill set. So obviously when we go to college, just for listeners to understand, when we go to graduate school, I should say, in Chinese medicine, we are trained specifically in a style of Chinese medicine that's called traditional Chinese medicine. And although the name might be a little bit you know, throw you off a little bit. Traditional Chinese medicine is actually a modernized form of Chinese medicine that was developed following the Chinese revolution in, in order to, yeah, in the late 1940s, 50s, in order to kind of standardize acupuncture, make it more accessible um, and more closely linked to the Western style of medical practice. And so there's a lot of protocols, there's a lot of um, use of herbal medicine because acupuncture is not em emphasized as much. But what we've practiced and what we've learned is classical Chinese medicine and classical acupuncture. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? You mentioned um, Dr. Jeffrey Yuen, who we both studied with or study with and actually through whom we both met each other. Um, Tell us about that influence and tell us about kind of a little bit more about the difference in that style of practice versus what you learn in graduate school. Yeah, well, that's where it gets complicated, but in a, in a simplest, simpli simplistic uh, way to describe it, uh, traditional Chinese acupuncture or standardized acupuncture is based on what they call the primary meridians and, and the meridians are the uh, what i like to call the 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 energetic pathways or the, the the circuits that relate to the the organ systems of the body so the primary meridians are considered now the standard meridians to use with tcm but traditional Chinese medicine. Correct. Right. But classically speaking, it was recognized that there's five trajectories or five distinct systems, uh, energetic systems uh, that can be worked with in the body. And when you start working with those systems, obviously it now becomes a much more complex process because you have to because each system is, is complex in its uh, practice. And so you have to know when is the best time to use one system over the other and, and then how to use that system for a particular condition. 
And I guess what makes it, I mean, it's understandable, right? The approach that TCM takes because it makes it so that you're able to kind of standardize, teach more people a single approach, not have to go as much in depth. And then the emphasis really is on herbal medicine, right? Whereas understanding classical acupuncture, you would have to learn all of the different systems and how to implement each of them. Well, the idea back in, was it late 40s or early 50s, was that when Chairman Mao became uh, in power, he needed uh, a system of medicine that was accessible to everybody and that was going to be affordable. And uh, even though at one point Chinese medicine became illegal to practice, the the village doctors who were called barefoot doctors, they were still practicing because they needed to take care of their the people of the village. So so Chairman Mao saw this, and so that's why he wanted to to now reinstate the practice of acupuncture. And they also wanted to go back to its roots because that's what really the whole revolution was about was to, you know, support the agrarian society. So, so with that being said, uh, they wanted to simplify it, standardize it, and also legitimize it in the eyes of Western medicine because Western medicine had become very important at that time, treating infectious diseases. And so, it was already um, considered to be the, the most important form of medicine. So they tried to, uh, they tried to fit what, uh, Chinese medicine into a context of Western medicine. And in doing so, they basically stripped acupuncture of a lot of its potency. Um, they still had some degree of efficacy, of course, but this is why in china even today the focus is mostly on herbal medicine and not acupuncture acupuncture is really looked at as just a form of pain relief and not really as a complete sense a set of uh, a system of medicine yeah which is pretty much what i mean clinically that's how we were taught to practice right by dr jeffrey un because he kind of brought back that lost tradition of the classics in teaching acupuncture as a standalone medicine to treat pretty much any ailment. Right. I mean, anything outside of, you know, something that needs surgery, for example, but yeah, that Jeffrey has always, always emphasized or Dr. Yuan has always emphasized to us, to his students that each system is a standalone system of medicine. You don't need to combine it. Uh, however, Sometimes it's best to combine your the acupuncture with herbal medicine just because it's hard for patients to come for treatment two or three times a week as some of these systems really require. Yeah, so then the supplementation is really helpful for that. Yeah, so supplements make a big difference to give people support in the interim between treatment and they, and they need less acupuncture that way. So what have you loved most about practicing this medicine? And how many years has it been that you've been in practice now? Well, I started the massage practice in 1987, and then I was licensed in 1995. So uh, this is my uh, 25th year 
practicing Chinese medicine. Uh, what I love about it is I love, well, geez, it's so magical, especially, <laughs> you know, in so many ways, um, it really doesn't matter what style you always see some form of, it seems like magic that happens when you treat patients. And, um, I mean, unfortunately, uh, what sometimes seems like magic, uh, for others who have more chronic conditions, uh, it really, it still takes work and it can be a slow process for their healing. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that's really the hard part. Cause if a person isn't really trusting the process, uh, it's, it's easy for a person to, uh, to step away from a, a potential healing, uh, because, um, they're not seeing results fast enough. Yeah, because these things can definitely take time for more chronic conditions. Yeah, it's not always a, an easy road for people, especially when something's uh, serious and it's been around, they've been suffering for years. So what do you feel is your role as a practitioner when somebody comes to see you for a particular illness or for you know, some sort of emotional challenge that they're going through in their life, do you feel, what do you feel that they come to you for? What do you feel you have to offer that person in that moment? I always try to offer them uh, hope and um, I always try to awaken within them uh, the awareness that they can be, that they can heal and feel whole and live uh, a more normal life. That's beautiful. So you're kind of like the vessel that brings that into their life. Yeah, I don't like to look at myself as a healer. I'm really just looking at myself as a, a guide, really, a guide, um, a coach. And really, I look at myself to a great extent like a mechanic because, you know, I'm kind of like waking up their body's healing potential. What do you most want for our listeners here to gain from this experience with this podcast and from just being here with us, what, what, what are some of your, let's kind of share your vision a little bit about that. Well, my vision is really to, to inspire people to know that really anything is possible and not to limit your, not to limit what's possible in your life with the limits of your mind to be open to really, the most to be open to miracles to be open to that which you think really is just beyond reality to endless possibilities endless possibilities is a good way to put it <laughs> so anything else you'd like to share salvador that was really special yeah, that covers it pretty well appreciate you um giving me the opportunity to share that. Yeah, I think it's important for everyone to know your story, to get to know you a little bit. And if you are listening, I would love to hear what you have to say or what you feel you gained from listening to this particular episode. Is there something that really kind of surprised you or intrigued you more than any other detail that was shared by Salvador? We always want to hear from you and it's really our goal to create a sense of community and 
connection through sharing the insights that we do here. Thank you so much for listening to our very first episode of the Natural Healing Podcast. We are your hosts, Dr. Satara Moafi and Salvador Cephalou. We look forward to connecting with you very soon. And make sure to visit our website at acenterfornaturalhealing.com for a free gift, as well as plenty of resources, including over 100 articles on our blog that will help to support you as well. We'll see you next time. Bye. 